What's up, friends? It's Haley, aka Bird. And Randy. And you're tuning in to the Give Them the Bird podcast. This podcast is all about challenging what it means to be healthy and fit. It's about celebrating sustainable behavior change and non-scale victories. And most importantly, it's about giving the bird to the diet industry and societal expectations of body size. Why? Well, because at the end of the day, you have an entire life to live that does not require your body look a certain way. Thanks for tuning in. Now, let's give them the bird. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Give Them the Bird podcast. Randy here. I've got Haley with me as usual. And this week, we are going to talk about um, things that people don't tell you about the postpartum period. But before we launch into that, we did want to circle back to our episode from last week about, um, you know, how motherhood affects how you talk about your bodies and food around your kids and things like that. Because we did have some listeners reach out to us with some of their own stories. Um, And one of them I just wanted to share was someone who it was a mother who was getting herself ready and she was putting on some shapewear and her daughter asked you know what are what are you doing why are you doing that and she said oh you know just to kind of hold things in and her daughter bless her heart was like oh mommy you don't need that you're perfect the way you are (gasps) right just perfection. Um, so she was obviously very thankful that that was her daughter's reaction response, but she said to me, you know, it's still hard because I'm not happy with my body. And so I think the struggle comes in and I don't think we talked about this as much last week, but how to respond when you are struggling and when you do find yourselves doing things that you don't want to pass on to your children. Mm -hmm. And so what she and I kind of talked about was, you know, maybe she could reframe it to not something she's doing to make herself look better, but, you know, I just feel a little more comfortable in my clothes when I wear Mm -hmm. these. Um, Just because it takes the focus on looks and Mm -hmm. how you feel about the size of your body, um, but more about your comfort level. Because as we've talked about many times, there's going to be gray areas and we kind of have to do whatever makes us comfortable. So that was one thing we talked about. And then I also brought up to her, you know, how you mentioned last week, Kaylee, that it's important, I think, going forward with the littles to kind of explain to them that bodies are going to change throughout our Mm -hmm. lifetime and that can bring up certain feelings. Um, And, you know, depending on the age of the child, that may or may not be appropriate at the time. But I think that's another way that you can kind of address things that you might find yourself doing because of how you feel about your body at that point in time, but may not necessarily want to pass on to the kids. So I love that. Yeah. I love the emphasis on this is what makes me feel more comfortable. Cause I know that we've talked about in previous episodes about finding, like you said, the gray area between, you know, I, I know that diet culture wants me to wear this shapewear. Um, mm-hmm. but also if I go out into the world without the shapewear, I know that I'm going to be hyper-focused on my body. And so finding a middle ground. So yeah, I think the way the way that you discussed that with her was so helpful. Um, and I also just want to say like, um, mama, you are raising your baby, right? If she's like, no, mommy, you're perfect. You don't need that. Like what a testament to your, your mothering and your parenting. I feel like when your child's like, you're perfect the way you are like swoon. Right. So good. The cutest, the best. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I just thought that was worthy of sharing um, because I think, you know, 
we're all in different places. And when you listen to an episode that you kind of resonate with, um, it's just nice to, to hear that from people that, you know, they're finding ways to implement these things into their own lives. So mm -hmm. I yeah, I was also going to tell you, um, I didn't share this with you before we hit record, but I had a friend reach out to me about our, uh, sobriety episode oh, and how she, she had originally said like perfect timing. I was just made the goal of cutting out alcohol during the week. Yay. Well, she emailed or not emailed me. She texted me yesterday or the day before and said that she found that cutting out alcohol was actually leading to more restrictive behaviors that she had done in the past. Okay. Yeah. And so we talked about how, um, just this using the term cutting out or eliminating or, you know, whatever you might do, you know, however you word it was triggering it to then flow into her food and movement too. And so we Thanks. talked about, again, finding a middle ground and she decided on being more mindful of her alcohol use during the week, but not mm -hmm. feeling like she had to completely cut it out because she clearly isn't in a place yet where that's doable for her. So yeah, yeah I, I love it when, I love it when the th things that listeners hear on these episodes like resonate with them and they show up in their life and we want to hear about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we are all, we love hearing about it, whether you, you know, send us a text if you have our phone number or um, message us on Instagram is another great way to, to get to us. So keep, keep sharing your experiences. And I think the more that we hear from listeners, like it's, obviously I hope that we can provide a sounding board for them, but I think it's also just another reminder and, and it's helpful for us as well as we continue on our own, you know, body acceptance and mm -hmm. intuitive eating journeys. Yeah. These mm -hmm. gray area wins. I love it. Seriously. Like it's the best gray area win a gaw. I love it. We need more gaws in our life. <laughs> <laughs> Give us your GTB moments and your gauze. <laughs> Um, I actually had a couple people reach out about the sobriety episode too. Um, there's more people in my life than I thought that have been considering that. And um, yeah, I had a friend who like has kind of decided to maybe not completely cut it out, but she shared a win of like being on this weekend where historically she would have been drinking all weekend and she didn't have any. And, you know, at first I was like, you know, are you just like setting this goal just because, or, you know, I said, well, how do you feel about it? And she said, I feel great. And I was like, mm -hmm. yay, then that's, that's wonderful for you. I love it. So, yeah, so exciting. And again, it's, I think it's reminding ourselves too, that it's not just about like food and movement, even though again, like alcohol is, you know, mm -hmm. a food as we learned, it is a yes. macronutrient. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so many other ways that the principles and things that we talk about on here can show up in our, in our lives. So we love yep. hearing about it. Love it. So now I want to get into dun, dun, dun. No. <laughs> the, the dirty, dirty, the postpartum period. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, just things that you've experienced. I've experienced. We've heard from friends that society, friends, family just do not prepare you for. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure you have a laundry list, Haley, just being like <laughs> four months out. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, I've got some things too, but <clears throat> I feel like if if we would have had this conversation when we first brought up the topic idea, like we would have been recording for hours. Mm -hmm. Um now that I've gotten back to work and I've there's like some space between me and momming, 
take that as you want it. But for me, that's mm-hmm. okay for there to be space there. Um, mm-hmm. I the, the list is a little bit shorter than I, it, it would have been. So I'm happy to report that, but I still have a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's still yeah. some things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, go. You go. I want to hear <laughs> I it. Love, we, I love we're like, you going? Am I going? I, it's funny because I was just having this conversation with a friend the other day because I just shared a couple days ago, FDA, um, release that they have now a a drug for postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was like, okay, amazing. Right. Because we need to bring to light this issue that literally one in seven, you know, women experience after giving birth. Um, and then I was like also thinking about, hmm, I wonder how that statistic would change if we gave mothers and I think their partners the support that they need postpartum and we address mm-hmm. the financial issues and the trauma that is birth and all of these other things. And so a lot of, a lot of moms were, you know, I, I had great conversations with moms um, on Instagram about it. And, and one of them, um, who's a really good friend of mine and who um, has been more supportive to me, for me, to me, whatever, than I think that she gives herself credit for. She was the only person that told me about this fourth trimester. Mm-hmm. Like she used the term fourth trimester when I was in like my second trimester. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, <laughs> I have to do this for for four trimesters. <laughs> like I had, I had no idea what she was referring to. And so I feel like like I had this idea that, and it's totally naive, but you have the baby and then it gets better from there. Like that pregnancy is really hard and then you have the baby and things start to get better. And my pregnancy was amazing. I loved being pregnant literally nearly every second of it. And so in my head, I was like, cake, like I got this. Right. Yep. And then she started telling me about this, you know, like the idea of the fourth, fourth trimester. So right off the bat, I just feel like I think talking about and sharing this idea that like, I don't want to say it gets worse, (laughs) but it is, it doesn't just end when the baby, when the baby comes. And I, and I don't just mean like dealing with the baby, obviously, but you know, changes in obviously your mood and the way you're feeling and your needs and the guilt that, that you might experience, like all of those things. I, I know for me, were and are just very much heightened. But I think this just awareness that like we need support during the fourth, the, the, just the idea of the fourth trimester is like, there's a lot of women I think that don't even know that this is a thing that we need to be talking about. Right. I'm you know? curious um, when she was referring to the fourth trimester, in what capacity she was talking about that? Because when mm-hmm. I first heard about the fourth trimester, I feel like it was after my my kids were born. Mm. And I heard of it in the context of, like, baby basically, you have to treat baby as if they're still in your belly. Like, oh. always, like, they're going to do a lot of sleeping, but, like, always having them on you, with you, near you. Okay. Trying to be so separate mm-hmm. right away. Um because I felt a little guilt when I heard about the fourth trimester because with my first, he was in his crib night two. And then from then on. Incredible. And, and it did work out very well for us. He was a great <laughs> sleeper. But um, 
my second was not a great sleeper. And so I had a lot of frustration about not getting her into her crib. And then I heard about the fourth trimester, like basically they Uh need to be like on you with you, you know, all the time. And, you know, there's a whole debate about co-sleeping and how to do that or not to do that or whatever. Right. But I just felt so much guilt. Like, why am I trying to rip them away from me when really they should be? But it sounds like maybe she was talking more about just like, how difficult it is in that period. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the things, um, she, she said, uh, I'm literally pulling it up on my phone. Um, she felt like if there had been more focus or support or education on the fourth trimester, it could have helped decrease her chances and other people's chances of postpartum depression, anxiety, and postpartum rage. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, like, this feeling of once the baby arrives, like, moms are kind of left high and dry. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think hers was more on uh, care for the mom. Like, this – that there's this whole other side of things for three-plus months mm-hmm. af- that you have to take care of on you and your body and your mind. So – but that's interesting, too, what you mentioned about, like, the attachment and everything, too. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I specific, she was the only person that told me about the fourth trimester and, um, yeah, she just, as she experienced really bad postpartum depression and is still kind of dealing with it from, you know, both of her girls. And, uh, yeah, so I think hers was more in the context of like switching from taking care of baby to taking care of mom almost in that fourth trimester. For sure. For Mm -hmm. sure. And I think they can probably be a little bit intertwined in that expectations play such a huge part in things, you know, Um, because you expect that when baby's hungry, they will eat. When baby's (laughs) tired, they will sleep. And they absolutely (laughs) do neither of those things. (laughs) And so that, you know, fuels this like postpartum, like you feel like you're doing things wrong and you get angry and, you know, and then, yeah, I think they definitely go hand in hand. And yeah, exactly. And I think that's something that I knew I was obviously aware of postpartum depression. Like, um, I know, and I, I think she'd be fine with me sharing it. Um, mm-hmm. sorry, Leslie, but Leslie experienced postpartum depression and, um, my family just has a long laundry list of mental health concerns. So like, we were very open about that. Mm-hmm. I did not, and I experienced a little bit of like prenatal depression, I think. Um, but I had no idea the mood changes that I would experience in terms of like, and I know that I talked to you about it, Randy, like this, like the rage and the anger. And I think that that's something that like, we also don't talk about because no one wants to be an angry mom, you know, like no one wants to be angry or, you know, have rage or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was just like a flip of a switch. And I was just, Oh, and I think cause my anxiety was so high. Um, and then another thing, intense paranoia that I'm still dealing with in regards to this, like, fear that that Mal is going to be abducted. Like, mm-hmm. and again, a very intrusive thought. And I don't think I realized, like, I know that it's not going to happen. I mean, yep. I say that knowing that it it's not impossible, but the likelihood right. of it is low considering so many factors. And yet when we go on a walk... I am so scared to like be farther away than 12 inches from her 
mm-hmm. stroller when I have to pick up my dog's poop. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I had a friend too who she had really intense paranoia and like intrusive thoughts about her child falling out of a window. And she's like, we don't even have a window that logically she could fall out of. But like, yeah, that's what it was for me. It was like falling of some sort I was paranoid about. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I didn't know that. I mean, I've had intrusive thoughts before, but I didn't realize like, I mean, it is so bad. It's just, you know, I I had no idea. I didn't know to expect that. I knew to expect maybe the depression or maybe some heightened anxiety, but this like, yeah, paranoia is the only way that I can describe it. Nobody told me about that. Yeah. And I want to circle back to like the rage part you talked about, because I think that was one thing nobody ever told me either. And I, I mean, rage specifically directed to the baby, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like I am so angry at this baby right now. Love you. But Mm -hmm. like, if something doesn't change, I, we need to part ways. Like somebody (sighs) needs to take over because like, yeah, you just, Mm -hmm. you get so angry because, because you're so tired and because, you know, like, yeah. And I just never expected to feel that. Like, Mm -hmm. I had to call my husband home one day from work because I was like, I can't, I can't be around her right now. And you Mm -hmm. need to be here before something happens because Mm -hmm. like, I'm just so done. I'm depleted for today. I remember when you told me that when you came over and met Mal for the first time Mm -hmm. and I, oh my gosh, the relief I felt when you said that I was Mm -hmm. like, because I was feeling so much guilt for Mm -hmm this rage that I was experiencing and like some of the thoughts that I was having. And again, things that like you have the baby and it's going to be so happy and beautiful and rainbows and butterflies, you know, and like, you're not going to have any birth trauma at all. She's just Mm going to slide right out of you. Um, and when you like, so then when I'm experiencing experiencing this anger to this little baby who doesn't know up from down, who has done nothing wrong, so much freaking guilt. And again, nobody told me that this might happen. And I, I literally, I, I could cry just remembering when you told me that I told, I went and I told Tyler and I was like, I feel validated. And I feel like, like nothing's wrong with me. I mean, yeah. something's wrong. There's a lot of things wrong with me, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yep. nothing, this is, this is, is okay. Like, yep. oh my God, it was so freeing for somebody to tell me that because nobody had. Nobody yeah. had. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. Cause yeah, it's, it's so hard. And you know, we've talked about how our husbands are very much alike and <laughs> for Gerald, you know, when she was seemingly hungry, but wouldn't eat, was seemingly tired, but wouldn't sleep. You know, I just got so overwhelmed and just could like, I could not. And yeah. he, you know, in his mind, it's just a puzzle that he needs to figure out how the pieces go together. And it's a fun challenge for him. Yes. You know? and it's like, so he can like come and take over and not be just completely emotionally overwhelmed. And which was, it's great to have a partner like that, but it's also like, what am I doing wrong that I can't do that? Or I can't see how to fix this. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm the mom, I'm supposed to be so intuitive and know how to fix everything. And turns out she just needed to be put in her swing. Yeah. But I was trying to do all this other fancy shit to get her to sleep and you know so yeah it's just it's Mm -hmm. wild yeah yeah so I would say the 
again, mood changes, but not necessarily like I experienced the <clears throat> like intense sadness and hopelessness. And, you know, luckily I continued going to therapy and I was honest about it when I had, you know, your only follow-up that you have with your um, care team, you know, just that six week, no big deal. Um, yeah. I told, you know, my, uh, my midwife about it and everything. And, and she was really great. And I remember one thing I told her as I'm like sniffling and like holding back my tears and I was just like, I, I just know that like, this is the way that it is. Like, it's okay. Like this is to be expected. And she goes, it doesn't have to be though. Like she looked at me and said that. And I was like, it gives me the chills. She was like, it, this doesn't have to be what it is like. But again, going back to if we support moms and their partners, right. you know, as they need to, um, I think another thing that was kind of along those same lines, and I don't know if you ever heard of it, but, um, I, when I would nurse or, um, this is going to segue into my next one really well, but when I, more so when I was pumping, I still get this, um, the only way I can describe it is like this feeling of intense dread when, when I pump, like just for the first like one or two minutes. And I had no idea that it was a thing until recently, probably the last month or so when, uh, someone I know, she said, that it's called like demers, D-M-E-R-S. And it's, okay. it happens when we have um, this, they don't really know why it occurs, but this like um, quick drop in our dopamine levels when we're um, breastfeeding or pumping. And that's like what causes the milk to be released or whatever. And yep. so some women can feel that um, as the way that I described it to my therapist was just like, it's this weirdest for like one to two minutes it's just dread, absolute mm -hmm. dread. Like I've never experienced before. And again, something that I didn't know about, um, I was texting Leslie and my sister about it. Like, did you have this happen to you? And she was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about, you know, and was like supportive and everything, but yeah. not all women experience it. So if you are a woman who, when you hook yourself up to your pump or maybe when you're nursing, mm -hmm. um, and you get this strange feeling, I think it can last from like 30 seconds to two minutes. And it's, dread and hopelessness and intense sadness and like nothing good is ever going to happen anymore. It's okay. <laughs> um, they don't know why it happens. There's a whole like website, um, uh, attribute or what's that word associate? What's that word? That sounds right. Yeah. There's a whole dedicated, there we dedicated. go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> there's a whole website dedicated to it. But, um, yeah, it, I know for like, for some women, it causes them to like, stop pumping, um, yeah, to stop breastfeeding, sure. even though it only lasts for a short period. Like I dread it. So yeah, that's kind of random, but going off on that is nursing. Oh I God. Thought that, yeah, oh, oh, sweet Jesus. I thought nursing was going to come so easy for me because everyone in my family has nursed. Like my, my mom nursed five kids and I think I nursed until my sisters and my family jokes that I was like five years old, which it's totally fine if you're five and you're nursing, like all power to you, mama. Um, and like my sister Leslie nurse and didn't really have like many issues associated with it. And so my big thing is nursing may not come as naturally as what they say. It might be a quote unquote natural thing, but it may not come naturally for you. Um, and I actually looked at your baby for that matter. It might not yes. come as your baby. Yeah. Yes. Like it may not be you. It might be because of your child. Yeah. <laughs> blame That's it on okay. Them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Blame it on them. Um, and I think the statistic is like 70% of women have difficulties with breastfeeding. Like mm -hmm. the majority of women do. 
Um, but I know for me, oh, the thought, and I talked to my best friend about this too, like just hearing Mallory cry the first like three weeks, I would just, I had, I had so much resentment, just so bad, so much resentment towards her. Cause I was like, I'm going to have to fucking nurse. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to nurse. It's so painful. She doesn't seem happy about it. Like, mm-hmm. it just, it isn't clicking. It isn't clicking. And in my head, I had this, expe- nobody gave me this expectation. I put the expectation on myself that, like, I had to nurse. Um, I definitely think there's external pressures that you have to breastfeed, but not necessarily, like, nurse. Mm-hmm. You know, you could they can be a bottle-fed, breastfed baby, whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll get into that, maybe not, but... I had this expectation of myself that, like, you're going to be the mom that can, like, whip it out in public and, like, hell fucking yeah. Like, I wanted to be that person. And it didn't click for us. Like, it didn't click. And so, so much so, uh, guilt associated with, like, Mal not getting enough food and mm-hmm. all of that. So, I think my big takeaway is, like, this natural thing may not come naturally to you and or your baby. Yeah. it. I mean, it looking back, I think it would have been way better for my mental health had I given up on breastfeeding and switched to either exclusively pumping or formula or whatever, because it was so, so hard and probably not worth it in the long run for me. I did end up doing it long-term, but good God, those first couple months were just a Mm -hmm. nightmare, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, you, we had to supplement a little bit because, you know, one of them wasn't getting enough from breastfeeding. And yeah, there's a lot of guilt with that. And, um, not about like supplementing, but just about not getting enough from me. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I just wish I wouldn't have put so much pressure on myself because Mm -hmm. I think it would have been a lot better for everybody involved Mm -hmm. had I given in a little bit to, to my own pressures I put on myself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I was like, I made it, I think two and a half or three weeks exclusively nursing. And then I could, I couldn't take it like mentally. Mm -hmm. I was so unwell and there's, there's no way that I, there absolutely no way that I could have continued feeding her and being okay. And like, Mm -hmm. not like hurting myself. Like it was, it was so freaking bad. And I have to thank, um, if anybody has listened to the podcast from its inception, Half Crunched Mama Doc, um, Dr. Tori, she was in season one. I don't even remember what episode. Um, she, I mean, literally my saving grace, I still text her all the time. So she's a pediatrician. Um, she moved, she's out in Oregon now, sad, but she checked in with me like every day. She really supported me and she wanted, she asked me, she goes, what do you want me to, what kind of support do you want me to provide? Do you want me to push you to keep breastfeeding or do you want me to push you to not breastfeed? Because she goes either way, like I want to support you in doing that. Mm -hmm. She was sending me videos of how to do different things. Like I told her, I'm like, you taught me how to treat a new mom. Like you taught me how to support a new mom. Um, and yeah, so finally at, I think like three weeks or two and a half weeks, I told Tyler, I was like, dude, we're switching to the bottle. Mm -hmm. Like we're switching the bottle. I know that they say you're supposed to wait until three weeks, you know, till Mm -hmm. introduce a bottle. And I was like, we're jumping the gun, I guess, you know, and some, some people start a bottle right away. Yeah. 
I kid you not, the moment I started to do that, my, like, my mental health didn't completely fix itself, but at least, like, that cloud just lifted. And, you know, he was up in the middle of the night and actually doing something and Mm -hmm. not just, like, rubbing my back and telling Mm -hmm. me, like, everything's going to be okay as I bawl. My tears just splash on Mal's face. Like, (laughs) so, yeah, I think, I think breastfeed, it's really just, like, fed is best. Find, find the method that works best for you. One of my best friends, um, she goes, I'm a formula mom. Like Mm -hmm. I tried it with my second or I tried it with my first, tried it with my second. Nope. It didn't Mm -hmm. work. I'm a formula mom. And I'm like, and that's okay. Like, that is absolutely okay. So that was, I think the nursing one is, is a big one for me and I'm still exclusively pumping. Mm -hmm. Um, and we haven't had to supplement yet. Um, I make a lot of milk, which is, it has its pros and cons, um, but yeah, I'm so glad that I was just, I, you have to balance what's best for you and what's best for baby, I think. Yep. Yep. Um, I think it's so amazing that Tori asked you how to best support you mm-hmm. because I think we forget that we can ask people that question, you know, like we try to assume what they want to hear or, you know, we don't even consider what they, you know, or want to hear. We just provide our opinions and it's hard to know which way to go with those kinds of things. And simply asking that question can make all the difference. I love that she asked you that. I know. I remember when I read that text, I was like, I don't know what I need right now. (laughs) I don't know. But I remember thinking too, like, I want to apply that to my own practice as well. Like Mm -hmm. with other people asking them, you know, in what way do you want me to support you? And if that changes, please let me know and I'll support you in doing that. Because, and, and I think like the work that I do, it's like, I do believe that each of us is the expert of our own body. And Mm -hmm. so if you think that something else is better for you, how can I support you? in, in reaching that goal or doing that thing. So I agree. I was like, you're so good at this. Like, why can't you move back to Iowa and be my freaking pediatrician? Like she's so I've actually, um, heard that in the context of this is totally unrelated, but in the context of somebody like grieving, um, Mm. you know, do you want to talk about it or do you want to be distracted by it? Yeah. I always find myself like very paralyzed in those situations. Like I don't know what to say to this person. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, just questions like that can let people know that you actually care and want to do what's best for them and helps you, you know, figure out how to best support them. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, This is switching gears a little bit, but your um, comments about like intrusive thoughts reminded me that, so when my kids were born, um, you know, I was a pharmacist, am a pharmacist, was practicing then. And something happens, like, I'm a smart person, I'm a medically minded person, but something happened when I had kids and my, I had mush brain. Um, (laughs) I would triple, quadruple, like, check eight times that the dose of ibuprofen or children's, infants Tylenol that I gave them was correct because I was paranoid that I was going to get it wrong or, like... I use, you know, those like nose sucker, the nose Frida, the like yes. suction thing. I was trying to do that on Levi when he was a baby. And oh no, I was like, what if I suck too hard and the pressure like sucks his brains out? 
Oh my god. <laughs> like so, when you're too smart. <laughs> like so ridiculous. Just like not even humanly possible. But mm. I it's weird what happens to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, side note, um, did the nose Frida on Mal this morning? Got a huge booger. Oh, so satisfying, right? So satisfying. I saved it and I had to show Tyler when he got home. I was like, dude, it. look at this. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, it is in the the way that and my therapist describes it as like I mean, our brains literally change. Like yeah. the the connections and the structure like changes after having kids. And mm-hmm. that kind of brings me up to something that I didn't expect, but your priorities change. Um and it's not that I didn't expect it, but I specifically about work. Um and I say this, I I absolutely love my job. Um and I care a whole lot less about it. Oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> he really wants to talk to me because I have it on Do Not Disturb. So they must oh, have shoot. twice. Hopefully the kids are okay. Oh, it's it looked like it was some out-of-state call. So I'm not worried about it. Well, if, if, anyway. you, if you heard the phone ring, you might also hear my dog panting in the background. Um, <laughs> so Lola oh, Girls just like, yeah, you know We're us. professionals. We, we are, are professionals. So real yeah um but I so I absolutely love my job I love what I do I feel very passionate and committed to to my work right like both the GTB side and then also my professional work as at the University of Iowa um I care a shit ton less about it like I mean and I did not expect that to happen and I wonder if it's because I never had this like dream of having kids um Mm -hmm. I never for the longest time up until like maybe you know, two years ago, I didn't even know if I wanted to have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that brings up a whole nother topic of when I did get pregnant so quickly, I had an insane amount of guilt associated with it, but for another time. Um, and so I always thought that it was going to be like a working mom, like, you know, like I am so committed to my job mm-hmm. and I love what I do and like boss babe, you know, um, and like, no, I did not expect it I did not expect me to care so much less about my job. Now that doesn't mean that I show up less in terms of supporting students and supporting clients, but I'm, I'm, I'm not willing to go that extra mile that I could go before because now I realize that extra mile can be put towards Mallory and like, it's, that was really surprising. I don't know if you experienced that at all, like with pharmacy being that you put so much time and energy and money into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I found that something that meant a lot more to me after kids was my free time and my flexibility, not mm-hmm. just because I need flexibility to meet their needs in terms of like, you know, doctor's appointments and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, just being able to spend time with them and not having to be, you know, um, commuting for as long or not that my commute was crazy by any means, but, you know, just little things like that that I didn't mm-hmm. expect to be something that I really cared too much about I started to for sure yeah yeah that I can yeah I can relate to all of that like it just um I didn't expect like GTB was my baby and like Mm -hmm. this helping people improve their relationships with food movement in their body like I do feel like that's my calling and like what I'm meant to do and then Mallory comes along and I'm like hmm that can wait. <laughs> like, yep. 
and I, I'm still like at my job and I still am doing GTP things and, and all of that. And, and it's been really supportive for me mentally. Um, but yeah, that was just really surprising for me. And I think, again, going back to this idea of like allowing yourself to change your expectations, I think is really important. And just knowing that, um, you can, you can make it work for you however you need to with, Mm -hmm. you know, when you do have a baby. Um, but that was something that was really surprising to me that, that nobody really, I mean, I think people said like your priorities are going to change, but nobody who was like really career minded and really passionate about their work told me that. And so I was like, well, of course yours changed. You, you hated your job from the beginning, you know, like, so that was, that was surprising to me. Yep. Yep. And finding a way to like, like you said, still giving a hundred percent to your job, mm-hmm. but knowing that if, you know, something, if it comes down to having to make a choice between the two, like you are obviously going to choose your child and that might mean not taking on the extra after hours things or yes. whatever, you know, mm-hmm. you were able to do before, or I shouldn't say able, more willing to do because yes. you had, you know, your priorities were different. Right. I didn't have babies. I just had dogs. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and they can watch themselves. Right. Right. That's a perk. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think of other, other things. I I feel like there's definitely some with like maybe exercise, Mm -hmm. um, as like an exercise professional. I think a lot of times people think, oh, you probably were so excited to get back to exercise. Nope. I was, I was actually very happy to, um, you know, to, to wait. Um, I'm still taking it really easy. Like I just started adding in some power movements to my workouts. So that's been really slow. Yeah. Um, yeah. What other, what other things did you have on your mind? Anything that we haven't covered? Um, gosh, I feel like that was, those are the biggest things for me. I'm a little, you know, further removed. So I have trouble kind of remembering everything. Cause you've blocked it out. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I guess one of the things is, um, people think, even though people tell them otherwise, people think that they're going to have so much time Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) on maternity leave. Um, and then like their partner, you know, may leave and then come back home and it's like, where did the time go? What just happened? I didn't brush my teeth or, and you can't even account for what happened during the day. Cause you don't even know. No. Um, <laughs> Cause you're so sleep deprived and just mentally ill. Like, <laughs> Right. Right. And you know, between feedings that take 30 to 40 minutes and pumping after, and then, you know, it just, the time just absolutely disappears. Um, and people tell you that, but until, I feel like until you go through it, you can't even really comprehend that, like, there literally is no time. Um, and, you know, you expect that you'll be able to stay on top of the dishes or food or vacuuming or whatever. And it's just, it's pretty unrealistic, I think, to have those expectations. Um, so, yeah, I just remember a lot of feeling, you know, feeling guilty that I wasn't getting those things done and not understanding what happened to my day. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yes. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if I ever told anybody this, but um, my plan was that at the end of my 12 weeks of maternity, like we were going to have batched so many episodes for GTB. I was going to oh, have I knew like. that a... was your plan. And I was like, girl, we'll oh. see. <laughs> and then. 
Um, I, I was also going to have a self-paced course for you all. Nope. Sure. <laughs> nope. It ain't there. Um, I was going to have a wait list of clients. Nope. Didn't do that. Like so many things. And I think that was another thing too is, I mean, I don't want to give advice, but from my experience, do nothing. Yeah. Like don't put anything. I was making to-do lists for myself too. Like, mm. you know, after the two weeks postpartum, I was like, okay, I got to get it together. And don't put any of that on you. I even bought a fucking book to read, Randy. I'm on page 11. Like, <laughs> like what? But I love it. Yeah. So I think, I think that is something too. like, expect nothing and maybe mm-hmm. do something, you know? Well, um, and I think that brings us full circle back to like the fourth trimester. Like literally your only job is to feed this human one way or another and sleep yes. when you can. And that's, and, that's literally it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, take care of yourself. That was another yeah. thing yeah. that Dr. Tori, half crunch mama doc, she shared with me this list that she had made of daily things she had to do to help her mentally and like physically. And I, she put it on her fridge postpartum. I made my own and it was things like, um, I had to move some way. Mm-hmm nothing intense still not doing anything intense um i don't even remember the other things get outside snuggle with my dogs tyler Mm -hmm. wrote on there like hug your husband and if you know tyler he is not that kind of guy but that's how bad i was (laughs) (laughs) um so i think yeah taking i completely agree with you keep your child fed sleep and take care of yourself and like that's a fuck ton to do. And it's, it is, that's a it lot. It is so do. much to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And taking care of yourself. Um, yeah. I want to say like shower and brush your teeth, but like more so eat. That was something I forgot to eat. Like you forget yeah. because you're, you're so maybe I shouldn't say everybody is, but in our experience, it sounds like we were so anxious and like depressed and mm-hmm. like struggling that I, I forgot to eat. Um, and so you drink water, right? Like the very right. basic things. It doesn't have to be like meditate for an hour and like use essential oils. Like bare yeah. minimum basic needs. Take care of yourself. Yep. And let people help you. I mean, if you're oh, open to yeah. it, but I recommend being open to it because yeah. <laughs> it really does take a village and, you know, having people that want to help you, whatever that is, like dropping off food or letting you have an hour by yourself without baby or whatever, like take that help when you can get it. If, mm-hmm. if, if it doesn't cause you more anxiety mm-hmm. uh, to do that, cause, cause a fresh coming in fresh or having like one thing less on your to-do list is a huge help. Yeah. I just thought of one more random thing and I'm probably going to regret, regret saying this now. Cause it's going to make the episode like not, we were flowing really well to the end. Um, <laughs> but one, <laughs> one other thing that I thought of is It is okay if nobody told me that I was going to feel this way, um, feel really uncomfortable if I'm like pumping in the other room and everyone's with Mallory. Um, Oh, yeah. I remember just, or just like being around a lot of people and your child just getting passed around. Some Mm -hmm. people might be really comfortable with it. I felt so uncomfortable. And I remember this feeling of, I just want to take her and say she has to nurse for eight hours and take her in the back room by myself. (laughs) Like. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then being away from her because I was pumping and I hear her crying and I'm like, I know Tyler's out there, but like, oh, so that, that was another thing. I didn't think that I, that wasn't really shared with me or I didn't expect 
that feeling to be so intense of quit, quit holding my baby. (laughs) Yeah. I don't feel that way anymore. My best friend came to visit me and I was like, you can hold her if you want. She was like, well, I know that you mentioned, um, that you, you feel oddly if people hold your baby. And I was like, not you, Erin, like hold my kid. Like you're basically (laughs) her aunt. Like, (laughs) you know, right. And it's getting better now. But yeah, I remember that too. We had um, a bunch of Tyler's family were over and I love his family. And mm-hmm. I was in the other room and I was just like, I feel so uncomfortable right now. Yeah. So another random yeah. thing. Yeah. I do remember, I didn't feel so much like that when people were holding my baby, but I do remember, um, I think it was Levi. He was, or maybe it was Evelyn. I don't know. They were upset and crying and I was trying to nurse and it wasn't working. And I, we were at like a family function. I was at somebody else's house in another room and people kept checking on me because oh. they could hear the baby crying. And I was like, just leave me alone. Like you are causing me so much anxiety by mm-hmm. checking on me, you know, as if I can't get it taken care of myself. That's what right. I, you know, it was just, it was sensory overload mm-hmm. on top of probably a bunch of other things, but yeah, there's just and the so irony in that of mother knows best, but yet mother is locked away in a room with a baby who's crying. And I think that I know better. Like the right. irony there. Right. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, well, this was such a good episode. Um, longer than some of ours have been, but I feel like it felt really good for me to get this off my chest. And I feel like we only scratched the surface, honestly, of things that we could talk about when it comes to postpartum oh, death. Yes. But we want to know if any of you are postpartum, which um, I saw there's a creator um, or a, a coach on Instagram who says, you're never not postpartum. Like after you have a child, you are postpartum. <laughs> it doesn't go away, you know? Um, but yeah, share share your experience. What were things that you wish that people had told you postpartum or about postpartum that they didn't? I think it would be so amazing to just have this like list of things Um And, uh, my friend that I had mentioned at the beginning, she did say that she was very candid with one of her friends about her experience. And her friend was like, you make me not want to have kids. So I hope that that isn't the case for any of you. And maybe I'll add in a little disclaimer at the beginning. (laughs) If you're Um, on the fence, maybe don't listen or maybe do, I don't know. Maybe listen. Honestly, you choose. (laughs) If you made it this far, it's too, you're too far gone at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, let us know things that you wish you would have known that you didn't. Um, Things that you would pass down to other moms or to upcoming or new moms. Um, And just remember that, you know, if you have someone in your life who just had a baby, is about to have a baby, Think about how you can instill in them what you wish someone would have instilled in you in a positive and supportive way. Um, And thank you for creating and like having this space for us to have these conversations because I feel like they're so supportive and healing for me. (gasps) Love GTV. Okay. We will see you all next week. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Give Them the Bird podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, head on over to Apple iTunes or Spotify and rate, review, and subscribe. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Give the Bird Podcast to stay up to date with all things GTV. We'll see you back here next week for another episode, but in the meantime, go give them the bird.